So please turn with me to the book of Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2 this morning. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, um, just the first nine verses today. So our theme is this, it's to do with discipleship, and, and discipleship is from the moment that, you, that God saves you, calls you, we begin a journey, uh, and that journey is where God brings us on, and, and things in our life, um, He starts to remove from us, and He starts to bring us to them deeper places, and, and as we go on sometimes, um, them things can become bigger and harder to see in our lives, but know this, Elijah spent around 68 years, some people say 10 years, um, being discipled, uh, or sorry, Elisha under Elijah. And the, the point of this was preparing him for a higher calling. He was going to be taking over the very ministry of Elijah. It wasn't just so much a ministry of his own. He was going to be taking on the mantle, as it were, of this man, where Elijah would be no more, and Elisha would pick up where he left off. So it was a very specific calling, a, a calling that the church has. When Christ left this earth, the church became the body of Christ, and we carry on the ministry of Christ. We see a parallel in that. But Elijah is about to be tested in certain things of discipleship, but I want to set that down there for a moment and let's just read and see where we, where we end up this morning. So the context, Elijah is about to be taken. He spent years training this man, and he's about to push a few buttons just to see where he's at. Where he's at, where he's at. So when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. And so they went down together to Bethel. And verse 3, Now a group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha, and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha said. Now be quiet and go on. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. The Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went before on together to Jericho. Now, verse 5, then a group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? So much in this, and we mightn't touch on today. And Elisha says, of course I know, and I'd be quiet. Verse 6, then Elijah says to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go on to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Then 15 men from the group of the prophets, who also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck it with the water. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. And when they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit upon me. I changed that translation to, to another tra translation to get that across. 
please let there be a double portion of your spirit upon me. It says to become your successor. That means to take on the ministry of Elijah, but the, the double portion is what he asked. Now, I, I was going to break straight into the discipleship, what Elijah did and break that down, and, and we might and we might not. It doesn't really matter, but, but I want to just look at something else before we, we, we get there. It's the call of Elisha. And think of your own calling, the call of Elisha. Because one day, as Elisha was just working away in his field, as we do, and as many of you do every day, you work away in whatever it is you work at. He was just working away. And in that moment, God called him into service. And that's the testimony of many preachers, of many missionaries, of many people who went on to do youth work and various things like that church planting. One day they were just working away, do, doing as they thought they were doing right, and God in a moment broke in and called them into a greater, higher calling. Not greater, a higher calling. There is higher callings. This was Elisha's experience, and we read about it in the previous chapter. We haven't read about it, but one day Elisha, who was unknown to the world, because God calls the foolish people, the, the weak people, those who aren't profound in their own way, those who don't think they're really worthy. He calls them sort of people, those sort of people that haven't a great track record of things gone by. You understand? He calls great people like we, we see that within Scripture as well. Think of Moses, well-taught, well-educated, mighty man in himself, and he was called. There's many great men called, but more often than not, he calls the ordinary, the working man, the plowman. And this was Elisha. He was unknown to the world and he was plowing away. And Elijah, the prophet, the mighty man of God, walked up and placed his mantle over Elisha. Now, what is the mantle? We call it the anointing. Oh, I want to carry on the mantle. The mantle was simply a cloak. Old Testament prophets were also known for wearing mantles as a sign of their, their setting apart of their calling. And listen, church, every one of you who are saved this morning have something upon you that sets you apart. You carry the very presence of God. When He called you, He filled you, and He sealed you, and He set you apart. I know how the church has forgotten it, and how the preachers and the missionaries and the church planters have become the lights when that's wrong. It's not an, it shouldn't be in our thinking. We are the people of God, and we're called. And we know that these men were set apart, and they carried something. We know that the prophet Samuel, for instance, he wore a mantle that set him apart for the Lord. It's believed that Ezra and Job also carried a, a, a mantle, a cloak, to set them apart. But listen, when Elisha set his, or Elijah set his mantle on Elisha, it was a sign that God had called him into ministry, called him into something more, something more than plowing fields something more than building houses, something more than being an educator, something more than being a doctor or a nurse or severe, whatever it is we do. You see, there's a calling that it doesn't bring our, our professions down, but it brings a higher calling to our profession. And here we see now this man was now set apart. He knew there was something different. And it was a sign. And Elijah then would start the process of discipling and preparing this man of God is what the Holy Spirit does to us. He leads us in the truth into all places, and he teaches us of things, and he, he even allows bad things into our life. 
Do you think all the, the mistakes that you've made has, has all been of the enemy? Well, I believe God allows us to stand on certain things to learn. If you get bit by a snake once, you quite often go back the second time. When you close your hand in the door the first time, you'll be a bit quicker the next time, or a bit slower the next time in closing the door. But Elijah, Elijah had to start the process of discipleship, preparing him for this anointing that God had for him. Now, when Elijah placed his mantle upon Elisha, Elisha understood the significance of it. It meant that one day in the future he would, he would carry on the ministry of Elijah. And you know, church, you and I, if you're saved this morning, we carry on the ministry of the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not heresy. We are the body of Christ. We are to do the works of Christ. We are a light for Christ. We are the mouthpiece for Christ. We are the healing hands of Christ, the provider of Christ. We are Christ's body on earth. What a calling. Church, what a calling. What a responsibility. What love the Lord has for you and I that he would even think for a moment that we would be fit for such a thing. And that's the significance of this mantle. It meant that one day he would carry on this great ministry of Elijah. But there was a, a period we had to grow, a period we'd have to learn and be tested. But here's the thing. Now the ball would be in Elisha's, Elisha's court. Elisha had to decide what he was going to do with that call. And the same question applies to the people of God. What are we going to do with that call upon our lives? What are we going to do with that light that's been placed upon us? That mantle that has been given on to you and I. When we shine in the workplace, when we stand there and people know that we belong to God, they know there's something about us, what are we going to do with that? Because believe it or not, they're expecting it. I recall a time when a man shared something with me, and for some reason the old spirit of fear got into me, and I, I hesitated within myself about praying for this, this man, and thankfully I persevered on, and I, and I did, and the man said, thank you, I really needed that and wanted that. That man come for me, not to share his woes, he come to me to, to get some sort of comfort and strength, and if I had a failed in that, It'd be nothing more than an encounter with another man. But because I prayed with him, he had an encounter with God. And that same question <clears throat> applies to you and I. What are we going to do with that calling that's been bestowed upon us? Why am I not still living in the world and pursuing the things of the world? Why is it I no longer walk in the place where God called me from? Why do you no longer walk in the place where God saved you from? Why? Because there's a higher calling a higher purpose, and, and what are we going to do with that higher calling? Well, we're going to grab it, and we're going to take hold of it. That means there's things in our life, church, are going to have to go. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, it speaks about various leadership within the church, the prophet, the apostles, and, and them sort of ones. But the role of the pastor and of the teacher is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and the building up of the body of Christ. So that brings us again to the question, what will we do with our calling, the work of the ministry that we have been bestowed upon us? What will we do with the mantle that we have been handed to carry the ministry of Christ here in Monaghan in the, as the body of Christ? <clears throat> but I want to encourage you to take hold of it as we pursue it. Now, in the previous chapter, we, we read that Elisha, in verse 20, 
Elisha took hold of the oxen and he ran after Elijah once Elijah set the mantle upon him. Now listen, picture this in your own life. When God saved you, what did you do? Did you run after him? Did you go after the things of God? Or did you go after the things of the world and try to balance the books with both? Because we're told that Elisha left the oxen, which was his profession, and he ran after Elijah. And what I see here is this man took hold of his calling and he didn't hesitate. How often we hesitate as the people of God. How often we hesitate when God asks us to pray for somebody or asks us to do something for somebody. How often we hesitate, don't we? Or is it just I, is it just me? Sometimes the hesitation to be that calling, to, to rise up and to, to walk in that calling, sorry. But Elijah, he ran after, or Elisha ran after Elijah. And he says something, he says, please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. You know, sometimes there's things we need to sort out. Sometimes we need to put things right before we go on to the next place. And, and that's a simple analogy of that. But Elisha knew that following Christ meant leaving the old life behind. And that's what brings us to the place where we are this morning, the place where I believe God wants us to be, that place where we, we understand that, that living for God and following for God and having the joy of the Lord in our life means that we're going to have to leave some of the old life behind. Amen. Feel free to say amen. Even if you're wrestling with these things in your life, let's at least acknowledge this of God that the old life, the old man needs to be gone. And, 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 and I think we get, the more mature we become, the more professional we become at bringing the old man with us and controlling him a wee bit. It's like, it's like the magician that close, uh, controls the burr in the cage. We, we, we learn to control that part that we know we don't want to let loose. But the Bible says we're a new man. Alicia was a new man. And God gave him new desires and a new future. <clears throat> and church, I say this to you this morning as I say to myself, in light of this, take hold of your calling. Take hold of it. Time is fleeting. We're getting a wee bit older. The next generation's pushing us out fast. Take hold of your calling. Don't hesitate in pursuing it. Become a true disciple of Jesus. What do I mean by that? Explain yourself, pastor. What's a true disciple of Jesus? Well, let me tell you what the opposite of that is. Many people play at it, and many do. Many people play at being a Christian, and many do. They don't want to put to death the old man, and they know in their heads, perhaps, how many times have we wrestled with this, and we know to put him to bed, but we don't. He's not our friend, you know. The old man isn't our friend when he raises her head. He's the very thing that wants to stop you from walking in that higher calling. A true disciple is simply this, according to the Bible dictionary, a man or woman of God who places himself under the full authority of the Word of God. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is somebody who sits and learns from the Master. And the Master is the Lord Jesus Christ. No prophet, no, no pastor, no minister, no matter how high a calling he thinks he has. If we don't preach the Word of God, we're preaching somebody else's authority. And a true disciple sits under the preaching of the Word of God, what it says, in preparation for a higher calling. And we see that with Elisha. When God called him, he, he killed the oxen. Now, this isn't everybody's calling, understand. This was his calling, but we can learn from his calling. It doesn't mean you go and close your, your, the farm up tomorrow or, or your business up tomorrow or resign. That's not what we're saying. This is Elisha's calling. He killed the oxen. He broke his plow in pieces. 
and all the wee implements. And you know what he done with them? He, he, he made a wee fire. And you know what he did with the fire? What do you think he did with the fire? I'm sure some of you know this. The lovely oxen that he killed, he, he had a big barbecue with all his, his oxen that used for plowing the fields. And then he took all the, I guess, ribeye steaks and all them sort of things and he gave it to the people of the town. And then he pursued God. He pursued God. Now, what is the significance in dismantling and burning of the plow in Elisha's life? Well, it means a lot to your life. It means a lot to my life. And any man or woman that believes they're called of God and truly wants to go on with God, the significance of this can't be understated. It meant this. It meant when things got tough in the life of Elisha, when the desire to quit was so much greater than the desire to go on. Do you know them times? When there was nothing left for Elisha to go forward with, there was also nothing left for Elisha to go back with. There was nowhere he could return to. You can't go back to the plowing when the plow is in a pile of ashes. You certainly can't go back to the auction when you've fed the country with them and you've ate them. Do you understand? Do you see the significance of that? And there's some things in our life, perhaps, that, that we keep running back to. There's some things in our life that we were meant to take and destroy and cast out, and we've held on to. And I, I, I believe that there's strongholds need broken this morning in Jesus' name because, because God clearly spoke to me this morning to say such a thing this morning. You can't go back to the plow, church, when we broke them things in our life. And in order for Elisha to move on with God, some things had to be broken in his life. This man was a mighty man of God. I, I don't know, I haven't done the research or the study on it, but apparently his ministry was twice the length of Elijah's. Now, I need to just double check that. So don't take that as biblical yet, though I study it for sure. But, but I, I read a source um, yesterday afternoon that, that, that said this, and I haven't got a chance to research it, but I often wonder what the double anointing meant. <clears throat> and I know he'd done many of the same things that Elijah had done, <clears throat> but I, I wasn't aware that his ministry was double that length of that. Now, I say we need to just put that as a question mark to make sure. But in order for, in order for Elijah, Elisha to move on, things had to be broken. And you know, I, I believe there's many of God's people that simply this morning can't move on in your calling and perhaps have not moved on, moved on in your calling because there's certain things in your life that need broken. <laughs> Is that the truth for some of you this morning? Because I can tell you the Lord has put the handbrake on everything I've had this morning to give to you. And that means that, that God is trying to get your attention and saying, listen, brother, listen, sister, would you break that in your life? Because I have such, so much more for you to do and life for you to impact you could be that person that could usher in revival. Think of that. Do you take the Word of God seriously? Because if you knew the wrestle, and, and the wife knows the wrestle, I spent this week, the first two days the pen went through it all. The third day I took a break. The fourth day I got into it, I got a clear calling and a clear word for the church this morning. And then this morning in the middle of worship, a pen goes through it again. Do you understand the wrestle? 
Do you want to understand how easy it would be just to go through the discipleship? Points very easy. What am I trying to say to you? Poor me, no, God trying to speak to somebody here this morning. I don't care about the wrestle if it changes lives. I don't care about the struggle if I see God's people rise up and move on to what he has for them. You understand, there's somebody here or people here or somebody even listening online, I don't know that this is for, but there's many of God's people and they, they have failed to move on. They simply can't move on in their calling because there's certain things in their life that need broken. I don't even know what that is. Is it old ties, perhaps? Old strongholds from your past. Old relationships, perhaps. Never fully got that soul tie broken. Maybe it's old habits. How easy we carry them old habits, don't we? They're second nature. They're ingrained in our DNA, nearly. Things that we haven't handed over to God, and you know because he's told you so that you need a hand it all over to him and trust him. Who is this been speaking to? Who's this speaking to this morning? Things that in your life that you need to break and you know that this morning. And God's just bringing it to the table. And I see, you, I see the minute you break that plow and you burn that plow, you watch what God will do. He will step into that void that you've made and he will fill it. Amen, he will fill it. Any nonsense we remove out of our life, he fills it. Any nonsense we put into our life pushes him out. It's a simple method. There's things need broken. Now, there's a danger of holding on to strongholds in our life. Because when things get hard, we tend to run back to them. The very place that God called you from, you run back to. Maybe that's you this morning. Things has happened to your life and you found yourself back in the very place where the Lord Jesus saved you from. I pray that's not the case, but that could be very well be the place for some people here this morning. And listen, strongholds be broken in the name of Jesus this morning. There's nowhere you are this morning that can't be broken, amen. There's nowhere you are that God doesn't know and isn't saying, come. Because we tend to run back to these places. Now, many people after years of following Christ ended up back in the place where God first called them. Now, as I'm thinking about this this morning, Give me an example. Give me an example of one man of God who was used greatly for God, who when things didn't turn out his way or when he seen his own weaknesses, he ended up back to where he was when God first called him. I'm going to give you an example this morning. The Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter. What about him? Mighty man of God. Where did he end up when things didn't work out for him? When he realized he tried to do walk in the flesh, and he ended up doing things that he, he wished he never did. He ended up back where God had called him from in the first place. Now, Peter denies Jesus three times. And I believe when he realized what he had done, he became aware of his weaknesses and his feelings. And I want to say this to you, church, and I don't know where you are in that respect, but the day and hour I found out and come to terms with my weaknesses and my feelings was the day and hour that I become a man of God. I say the day that I realized how weak I was and how fragile I was and how many mistakes I made was the day and hour that I realized I could be a man of God because I wasn't reliant upon my own giftings or strength. And he became aware, Peter became aware of his weaknesses and his failings. And all of a sudden, I believe his calling wasn't as clear. That's what happens, you see, in ministry when we live for Jesus. There'll be moments when all of a sudden it's not clear anymore. Was I saved? Where's God's purpose in this? 
I didn't see this coming. And that's true for us all, and it certainly was true for the Apostle Peter. What did, what did Peter do when, when, when he denied Christ? Where did he go to, church? He returned to the fishing boat. In other words, he returned to the plough. He returned to the bar. He returned to the workshop. Where was it God saved you from? That's the place he returned to. He returned to the place where Christ originally called him. The very place where that mantle was placed upon him. And that's the danger, you see, if we don't break old habits in our life, strongholds. They, they have a type of hold on us. And when things are hard, they draw us in. But thank God, church, by his grace, he keeps us going. Come on, that deserves an amen. Thank God by His grace He keeps us going. We don't live by faith or by works. We live by faith this morning. And we see this also in the life of Peter. When Jesus, or when Peter denied Jesus, after Christ was resurrected, Peter had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. And he restored Peter who denied him. And that's a whole different sermon. And it's lovely. It's lovely to know that as soon as the Lord was risen, he thought of Peter, and he thought of how Peter must feel, because he's failed the Lord, and, and Peter's bitterly weeping because he's failed the Lord, and every time you fail the Lord, listen, he calls your name. He calls your name. He hasn't called you to outdo him. He's called you to walk in him and trust him and live with him and for him and by him, and he called Peter's name, and, and he gently led him through what I would call brokenness and regret regret. Who's that word for this morning, regret? Your life's filled with regret. And because there's so much regret in your life from the past, you really are struggling to move forward in that higher calling. Listen, you need to take that and break that in Jesus' name. Amen. And burn that and scatter that and get that out of your life. Amen. Regret. We've, we've all got regret now but we don't get to live in regret. It's a stronghold that can and should be and must be broken in, in Jesus' name. We're doing all right for time here now. Now, Peter, being embraced by the love of God, because I don't know about you, but the only thing that brought me back into the will of God was the love of God. But Peter experienced that love of God when, when, when Jesus looked at him and, and sent for him by name after he, was, after he denied him. He set aside the regret in his life. How do I know that? Because he left the fishing boat. He left the old life behind. He sat behind regret and he got up and he followed the Lord and he pursued his calling. And that's what I believe God's saying to you this morning. There's some of you and you've stopped pursuing the calling that God's given to you because there's things in your life that are hindering you and they need broken this morning in Jesus' name. And perhaps, I don't know, maybe Peter should have sunk the ship I don't know. It's not always black and white. Sure it's not. I don't know if he should have done that. I don't even know. Maybe, maybe it belonged to half of his dad. I don't know why he didn't sink the ship. Sometimes we're not always called to sink the ship. But all I do know is Elisha destroyed the plow. The plow. He burnt the kettle. That meant for him there was no going back. You know, church, you've been called. Don't forget that. Keep pursuing your calling. In Elijah's calling, there were things that needed broken before he moved on. What's that in your life? What things need broken this morning in your life? 